You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. Welcome to tonight's Best Possible Taste with me, Sharon Noonan. We're getting straight into it this evening and heading to Saunas in Newcastle West, County Limerick to meet Rosemary Bennis to talk about some of the great Irish products currently in stock. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Rosemary, some great new Irish products. They're not necessarily new to the market, but they're new to Saunas here and a, a complete diverse range of items. That's right, actually. We can cover every meal of the day here or a snack as well. Yeah, and really beautifully presented and very, I suppose, different niche, really good quality, great taste. I would be biased, but very good taste. So, yeah, will I go through them? Absolutely. Well, mm. you said for every meal of the day. So mm. let's start with breakfast. Yeah. And yeah. we have an almond milk. We have an almond milk. I absolutely love this product. It's MLK milk um, made by a couple from County Limerick. They, uh, It's an almond milk. It's completely different to commercial almond milks because it's just literally soaked almonds, 20% in, in spring water. And then that's pressed through like a muslin. And uh, the milk, or the liquid, is what comes out. And that's your product. Same, uh, simple as, nothing added. And the pressing is done by hand? Yes, it is. It is. It's a small so operation. Fairly so labour-intensive. Yeah, it would be really. There's time time, and uh, some effort in it as well, yeah. But it's a beautiful drink. It come, now, I just do the litre sizes, but there are um, half litres, and there are flavoured ones. And they're lovely, actually, as well. I might get them back again, but the, the milk is beautiful. It's very nourishing. It's really creamy. Um, it must be kept chilled. It's a chilled product. Uh, with uh, Short enough, it's about five days, six, seven days uh, max uh, shelf life. But it's a gorgeous drink, and it suits people with any dairy intolerance or just who are looking for a creamy, natural milk. That's Because some of the commercial ones, they are quite processed, really. And because it's made with almonds, then it'd be higher in protein. Everybody's yeah. looking for a bit of a boost to protein these days. That's right, yeah. It would be, yeah, and very mineral-rich as well. And the fact that in the soaking of the almonds, you release the... Uh, I suppose you release what inhibits the um, the digestion of the nutrition. So seeds and nuts um, are wonderful foods, but they're really designed um, to be, you know, to fall on the ground and to sprout or to, to, to be to be the to be the base for a new plant. So they have what these little plant inhibit like these little inhibitors on them to protect them until they germinate. So by soaking you remove all that so that's why we'd recommend soaking your seeds and soaking even your grains actually some of them but certainly your nuts and seeds because that removes that little uh, compound that might prevent us getting the best nutrition out of it so much more digestible that way as well and with almond milk then it is very versatile you can use it for all the same dishes that you can use ordinary dairy milk for yeah absolutely yeah we i love the texture in the on the, with the coffee machine actually if if you want to froth your milk it's really look cuz the cuz the fat and the protein are high that's what gives it the edge a lot of co- the Tetra Pak milks they're fine they do the job but they can be quite thin in texture so you don't get that, that mouth feel what I find you really do with this now when you drink it there is an almond taste but it's not as strong as marzipan it's not nowhere near that it's just a lovely creaminess actually Actually, yeah I think if you like almonds not yeah. like a handful of them you, you would like love it. that yeah, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. and then you're talking about greens and nuts and you have something very interesting here it's a quinoa crunch that's right this is a, a lovely product um, by the brand Homespun, which is Erica in, um, her second name escapes me. Sheehan. Sheehan, that's right, er, um, in Dublin. And she's brought this product to market a couple of years now. Um, it's very niche. It's a, it's like a, 
popped quinoa, which we see, you know, you've like Rice Krispies, popped rice. You can pop lots of grains and seeds. This is popped quinoa, which is very light. And then it's um, rolled in honey and seasoned with, you know, there's some spices in it. There's cranberries, there's nuts toasted coconut flakes things like that so it's a it's a granola really but it, instead of the oats it's using the quinoa and you wouldn't eat a whole bowl of it you use it really to sprinkle on things and put into smoothies or could you eat a you whole bowl you could eat a whole bowl yeah, it's so nice you? you could eat yeah, a whole bowl okay. you could eat a whole bowl you could for example with your creamy almond milk or a dollop of nice yogurt it'd be gorgeous actually you could easily you could no she suggests you could have it like that or a sprinkling if you're finding your porridge a bit boring it definitely is, would be lovely on top or um, if you had some berries and fruit um, and, and your and yogurt it'd be lovely as well in fact actually you could even use it as a in a crumble topping you know as in a baked crumble but I actually think as a topping and or on its own really nice and it comes in two different flavours it comes in two different flavours the pecan and cranberry and then goji berry cashew and coconut so yeah just slightly different Um, but there's a lovely there's a nice there's a nice sweetness but it's not overpowering and um, it is very sustaining quinoa is a really nourishing grain again high in protein it is a low carb grain actually if that appeals to people so you are it is it is helpful that way um but yeah it's a lovely product and gluten-free and gluten-free yeah that's the other thing is naturally gluten-free but to be honest i that's that's the last thing i think of with it but yeah absolutely it's a it's a high quality gluten-free product yeah and we should mention the gluten-free granola that you have here in the store by caroline rigby that's right yeah that's just a tremendous product it just keeps keeps winning awards again in jingle this year and i think the more people who taste it just don't go back I, I have I have I have someone at home who just can't go to any other product after it. It's a beautiful product. It's such high quality, and the difference with Caroline's product is the Rigney's one is the oat content is much much lower. It's about twenty twenty five percent. So you're getting it's packed with other new other goodness goodness other nutrients. Whereas commercial granola will be about eighty percent oats, and then there'll be a smattering of maybe other flavouring and other ingredients. But this one is lots of nuts and seeds. It's coconut chips. It's a real you really need to chew it and. It's it's really nourishing, yeah, and a great taste. And they are gluten free, and they're gluten free, yeah. exactly. And mm. again, you know, it's almost the thing you'd consider a second because it's just a, a fabulous product, but it happens to be gluten free. And a great story behind how it came about that it was because Caroline was serving it yeah, to her guests, that's in right, her B&B. and genuinely so, yeah, yeah. In the middle of being a busy pig farmer and using, do, doing her, her rare breed pig products, she runs a guest house, and so this was her offering for her guests. And um, she was pestered to say, God, that granola's would you not sell it can I not buy some particularly people coming from afar can I not take some home so it developed from there and she's she, but it's 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 really beautiful and it's a fabulous product to, to, to give as a gift I think or to bring to someone's house because it's got a picture of the farm in the front and it's really beautiful it's yeah. very authentic it's very nice mm-hmm. indeed yeah so we'll move on then to maybe snack time so it's mid-morning and we can have a glass of our almond milk and some That's of these right. nice we crackers could have a, yes and we could have a little bit of cheese we could have O'Brien's cheese or Kyle's cheese and all the lovely cheeses around yeah, absolutely. These crackers are gorgeous. I came across these first at just randomly because I'm busman's holiday. It would be my ideal way to spend my day when I'm not here in another shop. And I got in touch with um, uh, the guy who makes them, Tim, in uh, Wexford. So it's called Isle of Crackers, as in I- Isle of Innisfree, I-S-L-E. And um, he does two types, uh, flaxseed and uh, sesame seed. The difference really isn't that different. But what I love about them is um, they're a tiny bit sweetened, so there is a little bit of sugar in them. So they sat- They actually will do you, you know, if you're craving a biscuit, but you're kind of like, I'm off biscuits and I'm not, I'm not going down there. This this will actually do the job. Um, and it's the, the ing- quality in the ingredients is fabulous. He uses Ballybrado flour. Excuse me, which is 
in the country, it's Wexford, I think, again, isn't it, Ballybrado? Or it's the east of the country, anyway, um, which is a mill and have a really high standard organic flour. So use their flour, uses second nature rapeseed oil, which is an oil we've had for years on the shelf here, an organic rapeseed oil, Irish, again, County Kilkenny. And um, some sea salt, bread soda, bit of sugar, and I think... Is that it then? I think, and and the flaxseed or the or the or the sesame seed. And actually, he was using um, the Adora flaxseeds as well, which is another brand from again. I'm thinking it's Leisha Kilkenny, um, Kate, who is Adora flax is an Irish uh, flaxseed grower, and she also um, harvests from other farms as well. So just great ingredients but it's a fab product and they're in a lovely they're in a quaint little kind of offset heart shape and again a beautiful gift actually but yeah. people love them and they fall in between biscuit and cracker you know great commitment there to using Irish products absolutely Irish yeah great yeah and these are all batch baked you know they're very like it's just a cellophane pack tied batch baked you know they, he sent out I, I get them every couple of weeks and they, they come out fresh made really nice and another item that you have that can do for snacks is this near to nature bar. Yes, absolutely. This is a Limerick brand. Um, it's kind of born out of a lot of research, really. Um, and and it, and it's in the market a while. A lot of gym people and, and and sports people might know it more because that was kind of I suppose how where where it took off first. But a really lovely um, kind of a cross between a flapjack and a, a health bar. That's kind of how I'd say it. But it's um, they they do they do quite. I think it's only six in the range. There's a turmeric. There's a ginger, um, turmeric and ginger together. There's a spirulina. There's a hemp seed. There's one with chocolate and orange, just to lure you in if you're not too sure about the other ingredients. And um, very uh, wholesome, really filling, and actually quite a small, quite a light bar to, to eat, but really um, sustaining. And how much is that a bar? That one is, I think two to three it's under three anyway okay. it's under three yeah yeah so and it's a definite there's a nice bit of protein in it um, and each bar will have the little bit of extra like this one is spirulina which is like a good nice good tonic and the other turmeric one has a very good level of turmeric and that's a great anti-inflammatory and digestive aid so and very good if you've arthritis the yeah great for that. yeah um but i just like them they're very uh, they're very clean do you know they, there's oats there's dried fruit there's the nuts and seeds they're pressed there's very you know there's no other ingredient okay. you won't recognise yeah great brand and um, Limerick Company so um, they're doing really well so yeah okay. about for them end to end near to nature and then if we're at lunchtime we have the perfect comforting chicken bone broth I've That's seen right. this around quite a lot yeah, now Sadie's yeah. Kitchen beautiful packaging yeah yeah and actually this is a great product I haven't met this lady Sadie she's in, from Dublin but um it's, I have to say, absolute top marks for bringing something like this to market because it's such a such a, such a handy convenience product, but and it's such a good quality one because we all know, or well, we're getting to know that the chicken soup our mother or grandmothers and all the rest of it made had was not only for the soul but was had a huge nutritional benefit mm. for the gut and the joints and um, the gelatin released and the the collagen released really really nourishes and helps us. So. Um, Sadie has made it really easy by providing it that you can literally buy a pack of it ready-made and just use it. And it's great. I love it actually just as a drink itself. You just warm it up. It's very, very nice, especially if you feel a bit, just a bit worn out and tired and you need mm -hmm. a mug of soup and you just can't get it together to make the soup. To be honest, actually as a drink, it's lovely. Or use it as your base, sweat your veg, um, get, put in your bit of flavouring, use this as your liquid. Even if you're just actually, I, I would use it at home just to cook veg in or if I'm having, I don't know, like a one pot meal and I need liquid instead of water, I'll just toss this in. So I just put it in wherever I need liquid and it's a really nice product. She uses um, free range Irish chicken, organic apple cider vinegar and fresh veg, which is then strained. So it's like a clear broth. 
it's a consomme actually that's really what it is but uh, really really handy and it comes in a, you know it's a, it's a nice size I freeze this actually if I find I'm not going to use it I can just use it from freezer then yeah it's great whenever you can do that so yeah that you're, you're totally. avoiding the food waste that's yeah. right yeah absolutely and it is actually really and actually because of the side of vinegar in it it holds really well as well it's, it's actually naturally preserved as well even I find I mean obviously it has its shelf life but I find it holds really well so it's a it's you know what if you come in late and you're just a bit what am I going to have for dinner if you have something like that there you'd be amazed in half an hour what you could cook up <laughs> and something else then if it's uh, like a light supper you're talking about for yeah. salads now you do a lot of products by Jay Farm it's an, an organic farm just outside Newcastle West that's right yeah in Black Hill and Arda yeah run by John and Jean um, they're great we, we, we love their green uh, green veg like we would have the leaf veg really um, kale spinach sometimes rocket and then always our mixed leaf salad bags which are just fabulous quality and they're year round they're, they're, they have great supply so they've started doing sprouts so sprouts not as in not Brussels sprouts but sprouted seeds um, so at the moment this one is broccoli but there's also we would have mung beans we would have alfalfa seeds you can sprout any seed as long as, as it has its husk on its shell and what you do is you basically cultivate it just in water for um until the little germination happens and then you drain it and for three to five days the little sprout comes and a little bit like the way I was saying the um, soaked almonds are more digestible when nuts and seeds are soaked and what inhibits their absorption in our gut is removed the same with your sprouted seeds sprouting makes um, these small little seeds that you would absolutely disregard and think what good are they it makes them into powerhouse of nutrition absolutely so um, alfalfa, mung bean um, the broccoli, there's radish you can get, red clover, there's loads, lots of them. But um, on their own, they're completely indigestible. They're bird seed, to be honest. But sprouted, they transform into really, really nutrient-rich food and very light. And there wouldn't even be as much crunch in this as a mung bean. You know a mung bean from mm. eating a Chinese meal or something. But this, this is a lot lighter. So we just sprinkle them on your salad, in a sandwich, bit of texture, toss it in a bit of dressing, squeeze a lemon. There's no rules really, you just use it. Um, but it's a really nice, and actually it's a lovely visual, just a, instead of if you don't have fresh herbs at home for a garnish or something and you have a nice meal, a little sprinkle of this on top is beautiful. So that and the broth and the quinoa crunch, they're nearly like convenience foods. There's no hassle with them, but there's oh no. there's nothing bad in them. There's no absolutely. additives. That's what I love about all these. Food. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. It's like, like the broth they're now saying like this, you know, the, like the, the preservative there is no preservative element it's not there this one is sealed vacuum packed or not vacuum packed but um, flushed you know so that it holds well and it has its date and that's it there's nothing um, equally the, the almond milk has its has its weak date and that's it but yeah absolutely and I mean some people are fantastic and they'll get to do this themselves and that's wonderful but not everyone gets the time or really has the inclination so it's lovely to see that there is convenience food it needn't be a dirty word you know convenience exactly. has turned into yeah. oh, bad for us yeah. yeah but there's fantastic convenience foods and they're all literally half of those now are made very near us and then if not on the island of Ireland so it's great well let's finish off now with the yeah. corn tortillas they're not made near us because they are made in Mexico that's right but the reason that we're bringing them to everybody's attention is because it's a lovely lady in 
in Dublin. That's Lily, right. Lily, Mexican Lily. Lily Ramirez Foran, isn't yeah. it? I think, yeah, it's yeah, her, yeah. It's yeah. her family in Mexico that make them and she imports them then. Yeah, that's right. These are gorgeous. They're really, really good. Corn tortillas, they're a specific type of strain of corn. They're the really authentic um, maize that would be used in, in, in true Mexican cooking um, with, I think, just water and salt, nothing else. It's so simple. Um, these are naturally gluten-free, but they're naturally delicious and they're small. They're the classic size as well. And um, if ever anybody was on holidays ever in Mexico or travelling there, you'd see street street traders with this, you know, one pan and making their their flipping their their tortillas. So yeah, gorgeous comes in an eight pack. You can freeze them, cook them from frozen, and they're great quality. Really, they really are, yeah. lovely. They're yeah, delicious they're delicious and a simple supper. You can make them. You know, just toss them in the pan or in the oven just to warm them up and then wrap away. Well, you've got breakfast, lunch, dinner and a few snacks covered there, Rosemary. I know, so I'm so hungry. It's very impressive what we have here in Ireland. And I think it's very important for us to support all those individual producers because they do tremendous work. They work very hard. That's right. And like a lot, all these producers, they don't have the big big budget to do TV ads to do all the all the advertising the other ones do they just don't have it so you come to, you come across them do you know that way so absolutely come in and we show you and it, all these are really well worth the taste fantastic thanks so much rosemary pleasure sharon thank you you're listening to the best possible taste with sharon noonan sponsored by the taste.ie voted ireland's best online food and drink magazine Welcome back to Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and it's always great to visit Sonus as we did before the break. And another place that's a haven for food lovers is the Milk Market in Limerick. I met up with former manager Tom Toomey recently to find out all about its history. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Tom, you're the former manager of the milk market here in the centre of Limerick City. Just tell me a little bit about the history of the milk market. Um, the milk market was built in the early, uh, about 1820. Uh, it was originally uh, built as the corn market. Now, at various times, it uh, varied between being the milk market and the corn market. There was quite a number of markets in this area going down Ellen Street, you had a um, a meat market where the um, car park is today. You had um, a hay market. You had a linen market and a linen hall. Now, most people in Ireland think in terms of linen and flax as just Northern Ireland. Whereas the facts are that before the famine, there was a significant um, uh, flax industry in Southern Ireland, uh, especially here around Limerick, there would be quite a number of flax mills. There was one outside at Grody, it's known in later years as the Blood Mill. That was built originally as a um, flax mill. And the linen, full linen process was carried out there because there was a beetling mill uh, in Singland as well. And beetling meant softening the, the cloth. So in other words, the cloth was fully processed there. So, and there was the potato market as well, which is a car park now. So did you go to the potato market to buy potato, to the hay, to yes. buy hay, the milk market to yes. buy milk yes. and dairy now, products? Like, now, the one thing is that they moved around. Like, time, you know, evolves things. And time evolved the markets here. 
and in 1850, 1852, the Market Trustees was founded and they acquired quite a lot of property uh, up around the Market's Field. Market's Field. And uh, up there you had the Pig Market, um, you had the Hay Market, you had the Calf Market, um, and then in the market moved up there, the Butter Market was up there. Now, uh, it was fairly huge, uh, very extensive. There was a railway siding into the market in up near the Market's Field. Uh, came across Mulgar Street there between near where Leonard's garage is today. Because that's a bit out of the city centre, it's not very yes, central. Yes. Is it Gary Owen? Is that what that area was called? Yeah, the Gary Owen would say that that would be the, the area. Would say. Now, as I say, a lot of the markets had started off down here, would say, but as the city changed and evolved, um, they moved to, dare I say, Gary Owen. And to buy that piece of land, they had to take out a rather substantial mortgage. They did. Now, what they did say was they had people bought um, shares. Shares, now there might be another financial disc- uh, description for it. <coughs> but people invested in the Limerick Market Trustees. And um, I think there was one of the main investors was a man called Unsworth. Osborne, sorry, Osborne. And... Um, uh, we pay you know the uh, interest for every year now in 1898 uh, the market trustees defaulted on the payment and between Sun Alliance Insurance and Osborne somewhere in there the market trustees were put into receivership and they remained in receivership up I think at about 19... 1990. Whilst the market trustees were in receivership, they had a huge amount of property. So it didn't take too much working out to figure that if you dispose of some of the property, you could uh, uh, take the... um, Pay off your debts. Pay off your debts and take the the trustees out of receivership. And that's what they did. And um, the irony is that it was the construction of the fire station that actually, uh, shall we say, provoked the um, the thing we said because they needed, the city fathers wanted a new um, location for the fire station. And where better than above, it was the old pig market at the back of the horse and hound. And um, they bought, the city uh, corporation bought the land from the trustees with the result Suddenly, <laughs> their um, their uh, in 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 credit uh, after a long long time, as I say, in abeyance. Before that, had they done some work at the milk market? Because I've seen some photographs that Jerry Andrews 
took in the 70s and the area was fair it looked fairly derelict really and looked quite dangerous. oh yeah they did they did they did a great development of the area in the 1980s now as you see and you rightly point out um up to that the um dereliction was the only word to describe the mixed city every street corner or every intersection had at least one um Delic building. You know, I remember in the 60s, and you became so used to it, you didn't uh, notice it. And I mean, the market photographs and drawings of the market uh, done in the 60s, the smell of, the, the reek of dereliction. Now, as I say, in the 1980s, um, I think Brendan Woods was the manager at the time, um, they developed the, the market. They used uh, grants from the EU, but they certainly did, um, you know, uh, a big refurbishment of the market here. So they built the perimeter buildings that are here now. Like yes, it's, in an, it's like yes. a walled they, market. They restored. They, it was, all this was a, a walled market, but it was a wall that was falling down. Uh, but in the 1980s, um, they rebuilt, you know, uh, all the exterior of the market and they made a major um, major improvement. And this building that we're in now, what's this building called? This is called the Market House. And this is where the offices are, where the manager is? Yes, is now, is yeah. Based, yeah. Now, um, going back into history, we'll say, the Market House was down the street here. Um, uh, it's known as Holy uh, Stony Thursday Corner at the junction of um, uh, uh, Broad Street and uh, Munger Street. Uh, Tom Cork Castle was the building that, that was there originally. Now Tom Cork Castle became the market house. And back in the days, say the uh, 1790s and early years of the uh, 20th century, uh, that was where people were put into stocks. That's where the stocks were located. <laughs> so that um, anyone, any miscreants could be put in the stocks outside the market house and anyone passing was entitled to throw tomatoes or anything they wanted that. And the produce was handy to them to lift and use yes, as that would missiles. Be, yeah, 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 yeah. Because it is a fabulous site now. In 2010, yeah. then, they did more work and they have this fantastic weatherproof canopy yeah. and beautiful paving here as well. Yeah, I think without, um, it has to be said that it was the vision of the chairman of the trustees at the time, David O'Mahony. And I think we often lambaste people uh, in positions like that. We should give credit uh, uh, when, when, when uh, they do something very positive. And I think the um, decision to cover the market was a great was a great decision because like we used to do what we call footfall surveys uh, throughout the um, since I started and we could establish the number of people coming through the market every Saturday anything up to 10,000 maybe more but you would notice on a wet day it would be significantly down on a dry day so David O'Mahony um, had a vision of uh, covering the market and he did and I think it stabilised the numbers coming through. 
And it has won awards because oh, of yes. all that work yes, that was yes, done. Yes, yes, they have won a number of... Um, ironically now, the refurbishment of the market in the 1980s also won um, architectural awards and European Heritage Awards. And again, in when the market was refurbished 2010, 2011, uh, sorry, 2009, 2010, uh, they won awards for that, yes. When did you start working here? Did you start as the manager or were you working in another role? I was a part-time, uh, <laughs> uh, I was part-time market supervisor, a market su supervisor on a part-time basis uh, for a couple of years. And then I was um, approached, would I like to go full-time? Well, seeing as I was only working part-time in another position, <laughs> that was a, an easy runner, an easy decision. So I took over as um, full-time manager about 2005. And you were here until 2011. 2011. Now, as I say, I had worked for a number of years as um, part-time you know, uh, supervisor of the market. And now there's around 50 stalls on a Saturday. A Saturday is the main day from a food perspective, but on yes. Friday and Sunday there's thrift and vintage clothing yes. and whatnot. So, and there's 21 permanent units around the, yes. the outside Quickly, yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, there's just everything here really under the sun that you could think of to buy. There is. Now, the one thing I will say is that um, it changes over time. Things evolve. Like when I came here, 2002, 2003, that kind of time, there was 20-odd people doing shrubs and plants or various, you know, uh, things along that, um, along that line. There are only two people today doing shrubs and plants. You know, now, at the same time, there's 50-odd stalls uh, fully functional. And what has happened, as I say, is that the thing evolves. Food is a big thing now. Uh, food and fashion, I suppose. Yeah. Um, you know, but as I say, uh, I used to hear for saying uh, 10, 15 years ago, the market is dying. And really what they were saying was, I'm not doing too well. But that doesn't mean everyone else isn't doing too well. Like, as I say, things change. And if you don't move with the change, you're going to get left behind. And I'd imagine when it started, it was a different economic group that came on a Saturday whereas now it's for absolutely everybody. Yes like um, as we identified there were a huge number of markets in Limerick and they all, they all specialised in something different. Do you miss working here? You've retired now and you're still a regular visitor but do you, oh, do you yeah. miss working here? Well you do but uh, like I'm in a beautiful situation now I come in every morning, every Saturday morning at 8 o'clock. And you see, you're under no pressure. You can talk away. And you know loads of people. <laughs> and you, you, you know people, Rick, mm. and you can really enjoy it. Now, as I say, uh, when I was managing it, you know, um, you have to be on your toes all the time. There's always an issue around the corner, uh, whatever it is, you know. Um, so you can never relax, whereas now I can relax. And I think there's something very special here, particularly on a Saturday. And if you're a food lover, it really is a paradise for them. Oh, it is. And I think, you know, like it has an atmosphere all of its own. And the atmosphere is born of people that come, um, you know, that, that that's uh, about eight years ago when they reopened the market. 
I was interviewed on Nationwide and question what's you know unique about the market and she said in one word and I would say loyalty that um, people develop a loyalty to stalls and they come every Saturday to the same stall uh, you know and it's it's a beautiful relationship and even I find that there's always every year there's something new and different because it's a great place to start to market test a new food product if you come up with an idea and you say yep I, I think this is something now that is going to really fit well into yeah. the current product portfolio of Irish products that we have oh yeah that to come along here you'll hear the truth from the people whenever you give them their their tastings and ask them for feedback oh yeah I mean there's definitely, um, uh, you know, where people have, as you say, uh, tested the market. You know, uh, a lot of good guinea pigs around there. Absolutely. Very willing <laughs> yeah. guinea pigs. Well, well, very willing guinea pigs. Um, I think one of the classic ones, I would say now, and the lady's still uh, trading here, is um, uh, uh, Ekaterina. Um, she's from Moldova. And she came down to me about 2004, looking for a pitch. And I gave her all the sprob, you know, this is what you have to do and that's what you have to do. Now, you meet so many people coming in looking for a pitch. But unfortunately, it's not that simple. You have to have insurance, you have to have, uh, in, when you're involved in food, you have to have clearance from food uh, regulatory authorities, you know. And I thought, you know, I gave her everything. Very nice for him. And I thought that'd be the last I see her, but I underestimated Katrina. I said, you come back to me when you want that sort of I said, come back to me in a month. And back she came in a month on the day. <laughs> I said, Mr. Tom, I have this, I have that, you know. And I thought it was lovely that, that, that she had a kind of resilience. She does uh, beautiful confectionery. Well, it's been lovely to talk to you today. I, I love to hear the history behind it all and enjoy the retirement. It looks <laughs> like it's suiting you anyway. <laughs> right, thank you. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. Welcome back to Best Possible Taste, Like It or Lump It. Christmas is just around the corner and on the phone now I have Caroline Gray, editor of Easy Food magazine, to tell us about the Christmas annual. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Caroline, you're very welcome to the programme this evening. The Easy Food Christmas Annual is out now, an absolutely fantastic edition. I need ours to go through it. There's so much in it. And I'd say it must be a lot of fun to put it together. It really, really is, Sharon. It's um, like every year, you know, we're always saying that the Christmas issue is our favourite issue and that's the best one we've done. But honestly, I think um, the one on this year has been our favourite. The team is absolutely just obsessed with it. I mean, from the images and the design that went into the issue, but obviously more importantly, the actual recipes and the tips, um, it really, it has you covered for anything you could possibly need for Christmas. I mean, it's, um, it's always a joy to put together, but like kind of coming up with new ideas every year. Sometimes at first we have kind of our scratch in our heads, but when you sort of dive into it and you see how much fun you can have with Christmas cooking, um, it's it just becomes this like real pleasure to work on. So we're delighted to have it on the shelves now and for people to go out and buy it and cook and just 
make the most of Christmas meals. <laughs> I think you're absolutely spot on whenever you say that it covers everything that you need to know for Christmas because yeah. even for portion size, like what size of a turkey do you need to buy? Mm-hmm. What do you do mm-hmm. if you have bought a turkey that's too big and you've got the lots of, of leftovers? Yeah. How can you that's... decorate your table, your tree, your <laughs> presents with food related? So we must zoom in and focus on a few bits and pieces. And the first thing mm. that I wanted to bring up is the easy canopies that you have there because you've some really yeah. different canopy type ideas that yeah. even if you're under time pressure or you just don't have the skills and expertise to yep. do something very fancy, then everything you need is there. <laughs> That's the thing, yeah. So our canopy, um, kind of we just have some nice entertaining ideas. And like you said, these are really geared for, you know, sometimes last minute entertaining because when you're having people over, you know, your mind is all over the place from making sure the house is clean to is there enough seats for everybody do I have drinks so the food you know obviously everybody wants kind of something nice to nibble on but the recipes we have here are um we call it Marian minutes so it's just kind of three ingredient recipes so there's kind of these gorgeous um stuffed mushrooms that come together with basically just you know obviously mushrooms and then some basil pesto and breadcrumbs uh we have these nice little cocktail sausages that are wrapped with streaky bacon and glazed in a really sweet apricot jam um so there's just fun ideas like this and then you know we have tips where you can obviously elevate it to another level by if you have a few more ingredients, throw it in there and, you know, make it a little bit more, you know, maybe a little bit fancier even. But yeah, it's, it's you know, you don't want to spend hours putting together canapes and they're meant to just, you know, be tasty little bites of food that are nice and handheld and just kind of complement the party. So like that, we know that that's not where you can be focusing your energies. So we're just making it as easy as possible. Well, I love the prawn and cucumber bites where you just have the the cucumber slice, the the cream Mm -hmm. cheese, the prawn, a little bit of lemon juice, a little bit of chives there to fancy it up. So easy, but so tasty and so has the wow factor, I think. That's the thing. And like that, it would honestly come together in absolute minutes and you have something for people, like a really impressive canapé. Uh, for as many people as you want to feed. And whenever you are entertaining people at Christmas, I think some people like the idea of having all these visitors around, but they don't appreciate Mm -hmm. it. It can be quite stressful. It's not for everybody. No, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, a big theme of the issue here is, I suppose, and you see all over the place, everybody's saying that they're going to guarantee you this stress-free Christmas and we're going to take all the work out of it. But at the end of the day, like we know ourselves, as much as you can plan ahead and as much as you can do ahead of time, and as many times you may have done it, you always do get a bit stressed. But it's just to keep in mind that you know, at the end of the day, the people are there to have a good time and laugh with you and make good memories. And you know what, if you can put some delicious food on the table, even better. So that's why we're really trying to make Christmas as fun and enjoyable as possible when it comes to the food and um, kind of little ideas like this. You know, if it is your first time hosting a party or if you're having kind of some new people over for Christmas, little things like this, they're they're going to let you just kind of get on with it and have an easy time with the, with the food and just, you know, let you enjoy it a little bit more. And we all enjoy a little tipple at Christmas and you have some fantastic looking cocktails there under the heading oh, of yeah. the spirits of Christmas. <laughs> that's it yeah 
Yeah, that's the thing. Um, you know, it's kind of, I suppose it's, it's always nice to have obviously different wines and beers for people and, you know, non-alcoholic drinks as well. Um, so these are just a few fun little cocktails that kind of bring in some nice elements at Christmas. So like we have this really fun candy cane vodka that honestly just comes together. All you need is vodka and candy canes and that's steep for a few hours. Um, and it's just this really impressive addition to, you know, if you have a cocktail spread out um, just to kind of, or it makes a fabulous um gift for a hostess um something like that it's really simple you can kind of have a few jars ready to go for a last minute party gift uh but yeah you know it's little things like that that maybe just putting in a little bit extra effort can really bring a party to another level but like that it doesn't have to be difficult by any means and everybody likes a good drink now and then you know again whether it's a cocktail or just a fun you know non-alcoholic punch it's just kind of having something for everybody it's great to see the non-alcoholic options there for people who don't drink or who maybe are driving and the yeah. other the other group of people that are often forgotten about at Christmas are the vegetarians and you've got that covered as well definitely so we have um you know we have a good few Christmas menus uh in this issue because you know at the end of the day a lot of people are going to want to cook something uh you know kind of the traditional turkey with the roast potatoes and the sprouts so uh you know we very much wanted to make sure we catered to that and help people bring out the best flavors from that and just really put on an amazing spread with the traditional staples. Uh, But then of course, like that, we do have to remember that, you know, you might be catering for people that aren't all eating the same exact thing, you know, just, we don't eat the same thing all the time anyway. And uh, something like some vegetarian options, some just meat free options. And like that, we, we were tasting these in the office and a lot of people we're thinking like, you know what, this is just great to have as an extra option, even if you were already doing a turkey or if you weren't catering for people that were eating uh, meat-free. So we have this really gorgeous, it's a roast vegetable and lentil strudel, so it's wrapped in kind of nice flaky puff, uh, not puff, sorry, phyllo pastry, um, and has some pesto and feta in there. So that makes a really stunning main course for somebody that was maybe eating uh, a meat-free meal. And then a nice vegetarian gravy. And uh, like that, to be honest, some of us almost preferred the flavor of this one. It has a real nice umami kick from uh, tamari or soy sauce. And um, just like that, I suppose it's sometimes just little little extra bits. If somebody is coming to dinner and they're eating meat-free, you don't want to just be served, you know, maybe an extra portion of vegetables or just kind of a, oh, I threw something together. It's nice to show people that you are putting thought into their dining preferences. And like that, again, something really simple can really be impressive. So we've tried to make sure that everything is covered with our Christmas issue. And we mentioned there about leftovers and using them in different dishes. And I love mm-hmm. that you you have an orange pudding trifle and the base yeah. of that is the Christmas pudding that looks absolutely fabulous so it does ah uh, yeah definitely it's that like that I mean again you know sometimes we all know ourselves like you might end up um just with uh you know you end up with all your leftovers and you may just you know pop it in the microwave or just serve it up as is but it is kind of fun just to transform it into a little something different because you know I do find you know you go a few days of having like the turkey sandwiches or just the you know leftover pudding or a reheated mince pie or something uh, and then you kind of hit a wall with it it's still delicious but maybe just kind of switching up the flavors a little bit kind of just brings it again to another level and just kind of recreates this uh really tasty festive dish with really minimal effort. 
And you have a, a lovely breakfast dish that you love to have in St. Stephen's Day using the leftovers. Tell us about that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sure. I just, this is, um, now speaking of sandwiches, like <laughs> I suppose I can't get enough of them. I absolutely love them. And like, there are just so many things you can do. So my favorite, we, um, we kind of did a little behind the scenes feature in this, just with the whole team behind the magazine and, you know, behind all the easy food shoots. We all just kind of, we're sitting around talking about what we love to do with the leftovers as it is. And we realized like, you know what, like these are all great ideas and everybody's coming from it from different angles so we have that in the magazine as well and um oh my favorite is um so i always take like a uh, kind of a big croissant and we'll toast that and then just like you know layer it with like your kind of pulled turkey some warm stuffing a uh, bit of gravy and then you have to make like a cranberry mayo so just a, a scoop or two of cranberry sauce mixed with a bit of mayo spread on that and all the flavors totally just mesh together but i think there's something about that real buttery slightly sweet croissant that just kind of offsets like that whole roast dinner in a bite it's absolutely gorgeous i can't i you know i nearly just can't wait for christmas leftovers just to make this sandwich <laughs> yeah i think you've mentioned that sandwich to us before here on the show so it's definitely <laughs> one that i'm going to try out this year because it does yeah it sounds really mouth-watering absolutely it really is even just talking about it there it's like oh man i might just have to go out and buy the ingredients and make it myself <laughs> But of course, if we were watching what we were buying and, and being very attentive to avoiding food waste at this time of the year, mm. we wouldn't have loads of leftovers that end up in the bin. And whenever, if it's if you if you aren't used to catering for a certain number of people, it can be a bit daunting as to how much mm-hmm. do you need to buy, what size of a turkey do you need to buy, mm-hmm. how long do you have to cook it for? And yeah. all of that information is inside this issue. Definitely. So, you know, uh, another thing we realized is obviously a lot of recipes seem to be catered for, you know, four people or six people. But especially at Christmas, you know, that's not always the case. Like you might be cooking a meal for one other person or you might be cooking for 12. So we kind of wanted we just we included a lot of tips and um charts and graphs just to make it as easy as possible to recognize how big of a turkey you should buy or um, what types of dishes are easily doubled or halved and kind of the steps you can go around to make sure that you put on a spread for just the right amount of people. Um, And of course, like it's always nice to have uh, a bit of leftover. So a lot of our recipes will say if it's, you know, serves, say, six with plenty for leftovers or serves, you know, four as a main or eight as a starter. So just to give people as much information as possible as to what they can realistically expect. But like that, you know, not only is this issue going to be filled with recipes, but it's just going to be your go to source during the Christmas period for cooking and like that, like the scaling options. Um, We have tons of information about baking and tips for working with things like with your Christmas cake. Uh, So we're hoping that by the end of Christmas, your issue is going to be, you know, food splatters all over it and pages folded in and that, you know, you're, you're going back to it again and again, because it really is everything you need right at your fingertips. Yeah. And speaking of Christmas cakes, I kind of initially thought, oh, there's a cake that you can do if you're a bit more adventurous or or, or a better Mm -hmm. baker than I would be. But in actual fact, the way the steps are laid out and how to do that little Christmas tree using the fondant, it makes it seem good. Yeah. Even Sharon could do that. (laughs) That's, I have to agree, Sharon, like fondant um, and cake decorating is not my forte whatsoever. Uh, one of our food stylists, though, Shannon, she loves decorating cakes. She loves making cakes. So she kind of created this showstopper cake. So, you know, something, and we know that 
decorating the Christmas cake every year is such a big thing for families. And it's always, especially if you're having people over, it's a great centerpiece. So not only does this cake, is it delicious? It's a gorgeous, like chocolate orange sponge on the inside. But so we have, um, you know, it's a two tier cake with uh, lovely red fonts on the outside and different um, decorations around. But then we have four pages of just step by steps and like not to make it sound daunting, but it's just every little thing is covered here. So at a glance, you can see um, you know exactly what the fondant should look like. And then you can see it going on to the cake and being smooth. And it really, really makes it look, you know, because to be honest, it is easy. Even if this was your first time doing a fondant cake or um uh, you know, decorated cake like this, following these guys, you'd 100% be able to replicate the exact cake that's pictured here. Um, and like that little Christmas tree, I saw that myself and I was like, actually, that's, that's perfect. Like you could totally do that. Just a few little, you know, for lack of a better term, little blobs of green fond and, and then shaped in a way just to kind of resemble a tree, but it's as cute and as impressive as can be. So this is definitely a cake. I think if I needed something for a centerpiece, I'd be looking at this one. And talking about centerpieces, then you have some great suggestions there about how to dress your table and make your table look really pretty. Yeah, napkin definitely. folding using sprigs mm-hmm. of rosemary in your napkins. Yeah. That's the thing. I suppose like that, we can we were saying it's all about just the little different, like the little touches. So even if the only different thing you're going to do this year for Christmas was maybe incorporate one of these decorating ideas, it's something that we think would really stay with guests. And like that, we're lucky with that we have you know, our food stylists in house and they're always coming up with great ways to just make things look their best. So this was something that we just wanted to make sure to include um, just so that we can um you know, really make a Christmas table look as impressive as possible. So the little rosemary um, sprigs on the napkins were definitely something that you know anybody can kind of do, and it just makes it look that much nicer. So like you said, we have kind of table decorating. Um, we have ideas for wrapping gifts, like everything from small little boxes to big, nice, <laughs> gorgeous little bottles of wine. Um, and then one of my favorites was this... Uh, these little gingerbread mugs or sorry, gingerbread mug toppers are just kind of little mini gingerbread houses. And we have the recipe a few times throughout the magazine, just so you can use it for like a big gingerbread house or gingerbread men. But these tiny little gingerbread houses are gorgeous just to kind of pop on the rims of mugs of hot cocoa. And they just look stunning. The gingerbread men look very appetizing indeed, I have to say. Yeah. Yeah. They wouldn't last long in any house. Yeah. They would not last. I wouldn't say so. (laughs) And then if readers are looking for inspiration to buy Mm -hmm. gifts for friends or family, you have an excellent gift guide in there as well. We do. Yeah. So we always make sure to include, um, you know, a gift guide in every issue that it really it's obviously catered for anybody that just loves food. So whether they're a cook themselves or they just like to, you know, browse through cookbooks, uh, we have a nice gift guide, I suppose, for kind of different little gifts you know, for the home or different ideas for kids. Um and then obviously any specialty things, like if there was somebody that really had, you know, say like home bar or just love different, uh, uh, even coffee, just kind of like nice gadgets and special things that are out this year um, that you can get for them. And then we also have a nice edible gift section because, you know, on our easy food team, we always love making edible gifts for friends and family because it's something from the heart. So whether it's home jam or baked goods or you know, something like fudge or homemade liqueurs. Um, I think everybody really loves those and appreciates those. So we have a few ideas in this issue for um, kind of some nice 
homemade gifts like that as well. And you also have then your top cookbook picks, which also would make mm. ideal Christmas presents for others oh. and also to yourself. Definitely. This is, you know, I, I suppose even um, a few of the team, even when we were looking through, they're like, oh, do we have that cookbook here? I must put that. So we've had a, even the list we have here, a few people have kind of already sent it on to others asking like, hey, if you're looking for a gift idea. So yeah, we have some of our favorite cookbooks, um, you know, from the last year and they're kind of all catered for people. So whether, you know, there's somebody that, love, you know, Adrian Martin's um, Fake Away Cookbook was one of our favorites and it's perfect for say, beginner cooks or kind of uh, teenager people going off to college or university, uh, you know, if they're really into like, you know, takeaways and kind of ideas on how to make it themselves. Um, and then, you know, if you're really into baking, one of our favorites was the Artful Baker. And it's just absolutely stunning creations. And not even if you were to make the actual things in the book, just as inspiration. Um, so I suppose, yeah, this year has been, it's been a great one for cookbooks. So definitely these are always a great gift to get for anybody that's, uh, you know, the foodie in your life, I suppose. And we should give a shout out to Simon Delaney's there. He was your guest yeah. after last month. And we I saw him recently doing a demonstration with Lizzie Lyons of Lizzie's Little uh, Kitchen. That's right. And he did a couple of recipes out of his cookbook, Simply Simon's, mm. the diner cookbook. Yeah. So, you know, that was really interesting and very entertaining, I have to say. As oh, well. I'd say so. He's such a character. And that was, to be honest, that's probably one of my favorite cookbooks of the year. Um, you know, being from um, the States anyway, just seeing kind of some of these really iconic recipes recreated in the book was such a treats so that's that's been one of my favorites for sure and finally then Caroline just before you go you have a little guide there to some of the Christmas markets that are taking place um, throughout the country and it's always handy Mm -hmm. to know what's on in your area or to maybe travel further afield yeah definitely I suppose like it's always a time of year you know they're really starting to kick off pretty soon and they'll usually um, go right up until near you know christmas is here so depending on where you are in the country i mean there's always really fun ones like the one up in belfast is fabulous um i'm going to be going out to the one in galway myself uh it's just such a fun you know activity during the christmas period it really just gets everybody uh in good spirits you know kind of being outside and browsing you know different foods and drinks and crafts from the areas so you know it's a good way to connect with people and kind of support the local um, communities uh, and like that always staying in this fun festive spirit absolutely well a fantastic issue as always we really appreciate you talking to us every month mm-hmm. throughout the year it's always great to to get a little oh, bit of yeah. a preview about what's in the issue this is out now on the shelves so go and get yes. it from your, <laughs> your local news agent and yep. we should then say that in January mm-hmm. Noel McMeal is your guest editor, a fellow Northern Irish person. Yes, exactly. Yeah, he was actually in the office not too long ago. We were doing kind of some behind the scenes shoots and we were lucky that um, he was happy to do uh, a nice little cook along video with us for one of his recipes. So yeah, we're delighted to have Nolan. He's just been, I mean, his recipes are fabulous, but he's just such a great guy and a great chef and a real champion of Irish food. So um, yeah, we're absolutely delighted. And he was uh, chatting to me about um, the the classic yellow man recipe and so Sharon I had to bring you up and just we have you our shared connection on that anyway so oh, fantastic. be delighted to have it in there yeah no that's great I hope he said now that he was in the radio documentary that I did about the yellow man and that he, he made did. it for me 
That's it. He definitely did. So it was, it was just so fun to kind of connect like that. <laughs> but yeah, I'm really looking forward to having him involved. Fantastic. Well, I look forward to that in January. But in the meantime, I've lots to be going on with lots of reading here in the current issue of the Easy Food magazine. Caroline, have a fantastic Christmas and also the easyfood.ie website. If people want to do Mm -hmm. fancy things with their napkins and whatnot, you've little videos there. We do. Yeah. So we have um, a fun little like Christmas playlists and recipes on there. Um, To be honest, one of we've done hundreds of videos. And to this day, one of the most popular ones is how to make a, uh, you know, these fun little napkins or sorry, Christmas trees out of napkins. So it's on the website, go there. And it's a recently relaunched site. So it's everything you need. Fantastic. I am so in the Christmas spirit now and looking forward to it. Thanks a million, Caroline. (laughs) Have a happy Christmas. Thanks, Sharon. You too. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Apologies for running over time this evening. Thanks so much for listening and to my guests, Rosemary Bennis, Tom Toomey and Caroline Gray. Until next week, bon appétit. Thanks for listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. To get in touch with The Best Possible Taste, email Sharon at SharonNoonan.com or tweet Sharon at Queen of Org. As in, Queen of Organisation. Bon appétit.